Hello, this is Major Steve Dre and Lieutenant Colonel David Seagraves. Marine Lieutenant Colonel David Seagraves. Indeed. All right, we're coming at you from the Nolan Reading Room in the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School with another episode of CAF Chat. This today is United States versus Millette on July 27, 2022. Colonel Seagraves, set us off. What's this case about? Well, this is a highly anticipated case because it, it settles a circuit split. Um, it, it resolves the psychotherapist privilege, MRE 513, uh, and, and what exactly that covers. All right, let me cut you off right there. When you say circuit split, what are you talking about? Well, uh, our, our mighty sea services, uh, including the Coast Guard and, and Kitchen uh, and the NMCCA, in their opinion on this case, Millette, uh, decided that you know, basically almost everything uh, between a psychotherapist and uh, their client was covered, uh, meaning that you know, uh, it included the communications between the two back and forth, uh, including diagnoses, prescriptions, um, everything. You're everything. saying something to a psychotherapist that's privileged, full stop. The only stuff that wouldn't be covered is essentially kind of the metadata. Kind of think about what you would know about uh, a soldier or a Marine and their defense counsel. You might know, you know who the defense counsel is. You know who. Uh, Maybe you know, you know they went. When they went, perhaps. Uh, you know, visits and stuff like that, but but that's about it. Everything else is really the the split is because uh, the, the mighty army uh, with Thank Rodriguez uh, decided no. They 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 are narrowly construed the privilege to say uh, basically only the communication from the patient to the psychotherapist. And pretty much a one way communication was privileged because that's what they wanted to protect. Meaning that uh, when the psychotherapist decided the diagnosis from that communication. Uh, the medication, uh, you know, the, the treatment plan, including the medications, prescriptions from it, that all was not privileged. Uh, and, and so that you know, you know, there's a large variation on, on what a defense could have uh, possibly given to them. Yeah, so let's, so that's the split. The circuit is sea services, mighty or not, have decided one thing. Army decided another scope of what 513 was. Sea services expansive scope of what it protected right and so calf granted they said let's figure this out and they figured out here so tell us about the facts of the case okay so we had um ss was a 15 year old sister of the appellant's wife uh after her school administrators found out she had engaged in self-harm uh ss voluntarily spent a week in a mental health facility uh, she was diagnosed with depression and anxiety uh, and prescribed prozac um after she was released from the facility, the appellant uh, kind of took on a big brotherly role with her, uh, having one-on-one -on -one conversations, taking her on errands, and, and to get ice cream in his truck. Um, eventually, that turned into a sexual relationship. Uh, after discovering the relationship, the appellant and his wife got a divorce, uh, with the appellant uh, and his wife receiving custody of their daughter. Now, during a, a subsequent dispute, over visitation rights, the wife reported a sexual relationship between SS and the appellant. Uh, NCS conducted an investigation where SS discussed her stay at the mental health facility, and, and that was turned over to defense. Uh, while NCS investigation was ongoing, the family law case was, was also going as, as far as the visitation rights. The family law case, you're talking the civilian divorce proceeding in civilian court is happening. Exactly. Uh, it, ha handling the family law matter of, of visitation rights uh, for appellant with his uh, his daughter. Uh, you know, during a deposition for that civilian case, you know, get SS talked about 
you know, uh, being in the mental health facility, uh, at least part of her diagnoses, uh, her inpatient treatment plan, and her treatment plan after she left the mental health facility. Pre-trial in the military context uh, of this case, defense requested discovery of SS's mental health treatment, including uh, medical re records related to her mental health uh, diagnoses, prescriptions, saying they were necessary and relevant to the issues of suggestion, memory, and truthfulness with respect to SS. Uh, the trial judge denied the request, saying those records were covered by Emory 513. And one of the reasons it, her, her memory uh, and things that was so important was that um, there was a question of you know, exactly when and how old she was. Uh, because the, you know, the sexual uh, abuse of a child, uh, you know, if, you're, if she's 16, she's then of age in the military. And there was a question of her age uh, when that happened. Right, it was close. There was some kind of, he had deployed for a bit and yep. came back and her memory was objectively shaky, right? There was like some question about when things happened. So it was important. So then the defense was able to certainly articulate why this would have been relevant material to their case. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, obviously, because uh, we're on appeal here, uh, got convicted uh, and then went up to end an MCCA, uh, you know, was, was affirmed. Uh, and then uh, CAF decided to grant this, uh, the issue of well, Affirm because, as, as we sort of started with, the NMCCA and the Coast Guard have had this expansive scope of the protections of 513. So NMCCA said, no, you're not getting anything close. Anything that smells like 513, you're not getting it. And so that's why the M NMCCA affirmed. Yes. I mean, I think you have two things. You have, uh, one, uh, you, you have uh, that broad protections. Uh, you also have the argument of, um, you know, under the four-prong test, you know, the defense has to prove uh, that there's actual stuff in those medical, uh, the psychotherapist records. They have to show uh, then that it meets an exception. Uh, then they have to show that it's not cumulative and that they've actually done their due diligence, the, the, the four factors. And so another argument they had was that, you know, since, since she had already given this information during the deposition, and they, they had that, so it was, it was hard to say it would, anything in those psychotherapist records would have not been cumulative to what they already had. Right. Um, so, so for multiple reasons, an MCCA says no problem here. CAF grants several issues. Yes, uh, and you're right. They also talked about waivers as well. But let's just get to what CAF and the majority opinion talked about. They, they wanted to, to settle that circuit split. Uh, so they granted specifically uh, MRE 513 extends to psychotherapist patient privilege to a confidential communication between a patient and psychotherapist or assistant. Did the lower court err by concluding diagnoses and treatments are also subject to the privilege invoking the absurdity doctrine? That, that's what they, you know, their official one, uh, if you look in the, di you know, the, the, the journal that they, they granted. Now, later on in their opinion, they rephrase the issue uh, as uh, essentially the question before us is whether communications in Rule MRE 513 Alpha should be narrowly interpreted to exclude medical records and other similar evidence that does not constitute confidential communication or, or is interpreted broadly to include all evidence that in some way reflects or is derived from confidential communications. Right, so in, I, I guess in simplest terms, I'm sitting here, I don't know much about this case, and I'm thinking, okay, the CAF is figuring out what is the scope of confidential communication protection in 513. Is it everything that can come from a chat with a psychotherapist, or is it just confidential communications between, specifically between the uh, patient and medical provider? That's a good summary. And again, it's kind of like 
whether it's and to use kind of the kitchen analysis uh, when you're talking about a psychotherapist treatment uh, that relationship what a psychotherapist generally knows about you and how they treat you and diagnose you it has to almost all come from the patient themselves yeah well yeah. we'll get into this in oh, a little bit pardon me yeah but i know but, we're hot yeah we're excited to talk about th- this and so let's let's get to the the holding so we don't okay very well the, we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah, fair we'll enough back to that. okay thanks for pulling me back in uh okay so that again that that was the main issue they addressed they had two other issues that they found were moot and so the holding their holding is that based on the plain language of MRE 513 and mindful of the Supreme Court's admonition that privileges must be strictly construed, we conclude that diagnoses and treatments contained contained within medical records are not themselves uniformly privileged under MRE 513. A very close reading of confidential communication. We are interpreting it plainly, right? Yep. That's a huge, that's, that's the case, right? Is we are looking at the plain language of rules and they look at the plain language of this and they say clearly confidential communication is limited to communications direct the exact contents of a communication between a patient and a psychotherapist exactly just what the patient tells the psychotherapist that is the only thing privileged and 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 so when ss when she talked about her treatment plans and prescriptions well that that's not covered anyways so you can't waive by disclosing things that are not covered Okay, so what what sort of takeaways can we have from this case? What does Millette tell us? Well, Millette tells us that, that like we just kind of said a little bit, um, we should be very careful uh, when handling privileges. Uh, and, and they've just highlighted a, a number of times in this case, they are going to narrowly construe. So they're going to keep it very tight. Uh, so, so just like throwing out that there's a privilege out there isn't going to do enough. Uh, you have to really dig into the words and make sure um, and of course, more specifically on here, um, you know, we said communications does not include all records, only uh, protected records. So they, they, they highlighted that, that, you know, later on they talked about disclosing protected records. Uh, and they said that, you know, some records from psychotherapists could be protected, could be privileged if they, in essence, captured what the patient is telling the psychotherapist. So a judge, if you know, once they get to that in-camera review stage, they're still going to have to narrowly tar- tailor what they hand over because they're going to have to look out for, okay, is on the first paragraph, does it, capture, does it essentially capture notes of what the, the patient told the psychotherapist? Okay, that's going to have to be redacted because that's privileged. You know, this, the second uh, paragraph on a page might be, okay, because of that, I find these diagnoses uh, of this, this patient, what's, what's going on with them. And then maybe the third paragraph, okay, this is our treatment plan and the prescriptions. So in that hypothetical one page, that first paragraph that like captures, uh, the communication, what the psycho, what the patient told the psychotherapist, that's going to have to be redacted. That's still privileged. But that second paragraph and the third, you know, the, the diagnoses and treatment plan and prescriptions, that's all fair game. That is not privileged anymore. Yeah. And, uh, so two, I guess you got into two focus areas of the CAF there. One was that they're going to narrowly construe privileges. The, and the reason for this is, well, I mean, when you really get down to it, a privilege is sort of a, a block, right? It's a, it, it blocks a little bit of the truth-seeking function of a court, right? Like that's exactly. it's a policy decision that we as a society who, or whoever's making the rules has, has decided that we want to protect certain things. This protects probably some of the most intimate workings of our brains, right? And helps facilitate folks going and talking about these very serious problems 
the privilege does. This case says, okay, but when we've got a privilege that uh, here the president is the one who promulgates, who defines, I guess, the left and right limits of a privilege, we've got the president who could have written anything, mm-hmm. right, could have defined the privilege as as he or she wanted, chose to very sp- use very specific terminology that define confident that discuss confidential communication sort of left out diagnosis and treatment from that and the ca- i think it's the calf points to states that have privilege rules that are li- that have more expansive protections of i'm i'm quoting you know communications right for instance florida has specifically said they included records included uh, they, so they said you know communications and records uh, they, they decided uh uh, Florida, Wyoming, Arkansas, all, all with different variations of, of writing that privilege out. So it made it very clear that medical records related to this treatment were also covered. Uh, and, and also, they gave somewhat of a caveat at the very beginning, almost a disclaimer, like, hey, we, we don't think this this is exactly, you know, we're not saying we, this ruling captures what we think the privilege should encompass. Yeah, an interesting sort of uh, comment, right? Like, I, I mean, it's tough to read whether what they think about this privilege necessarily, but they're saying, hey, plain language says that this stuff is, we believe that it is excluded because of the plain language. President could have written it expansively, didn't. We've got other statutes, we've got other privileges out there, rules in other jurisdictions that we look at, and they're like, well, they wrote those more expansively. So, hey, we're not saying that this is the right thing for policy reasons. We don't do policy, right? We're the nope. CAF. Uh, not just the we're we are a court of law. We are looking at how rules are written. We are acknowledging that privileges uh, are in a policy decision that prevents possibly relevant information from reaching a court martial. I mean, that's just the nature of a privilege, right? I mean, you that's think about something like a exactly. client, like there is stuff in there that probably like could uh, could make a case go the 180 degrees. But we, as a society, have decided these things are important to protect these types of communications and here this is and that's why they're doing the 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 narrow construction of privileges they're being really careful they're saying okay acknowledging all that we're looking at the language and this language clearly excludes diagnosis treatment things of that nature if it's not a confidential communication 513 doesn't cover it not protected yeah and it's funny that that paragraph citing all those different states i mean it could almost be a roadmap for any you know somebody in, in, in congress or the executive branch to say okay Roger that. Uh, this is how they interpret it. Maybe we need to look at these state laws and and, and, and change it. So, but but again, well, sir, and hey, so, I mean, certainly stuff that could very well happen, right? You could see the next NDAA. They see this opinion, they're like, oh, uh, not so, right? We're going to expand the protection of five thirteen. Uh, and if I mean, if you had to bet a six pack of beer, maybe you would that there will be a change coming here. Yeah, I mean. The, and, and again, uh, from not, not to get too, so too far ahead of myself, but that's something you know we're going to talk about what practitioners need to think about. But this area uh, of law, MRE five thirteen, has had so much case law come out recently. Uh, if you're in this practice area, that's that's something you just need to keep your finger on the pulse and, and be paying attention to NDAAs. Uh, you know, paying attention to to the public courts because it is constantly moving. Yeah. So okay. So what's the result? What happens here? What where is Millette right now? Well, uh, it, it was set aside. Uh, so, pardon me again. The CAF set aside the NMCCA's ruling. Uh, they sent it back to them to order a Dubai hearing uh, for the purpose of obtaining re- any records that were responsive to appellate's original motion to compel and determine whether those records should have been provided to appellant prior to his court martial. Uh, 
once that's all been done, the lower court shall determine whether the military judge's original denial of appellate's motion to compel materially prejudice the appellate's defense pursuant to its authority under Article 66. Uh, so basically said, hey, you know, we, we know that these uh, this, the treatment plans, you know, knowing that the treatment plans, the prescriptions, diagnoses, you know, that's not covered. Hey, now you need to go back and do that in-camera review, do that look to see to see if any of that stuff was responsive to the motion. Uh, and, and then once you see all that stuff, okay, was uh, defense materially prejudiced? Yep. And so that's their call. Do more work. Okay, yep. so how is this case going to affect the field? What do you think? Uh, well, well, one, uh, we, we now know. Uh, no more circuit split. So, uh, yeah, helpful. Uh, yeah. Uh, but now the, the fight has moved. The fight has, has, has gone away from, okay, what's covered under 513 uh, to now, you know, can defense show that anything under psychotherapists, any of those records of, of treatment, diagnoses, prescriptions, they're still going to have to do some work to show that's relevant and necessary. Which seems like it's going to complicate things. Well. I mean, like, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm wondering, I don't know the DSM that well. Like, okay, let's say you get somebody's diagnosis. Now, all of a sudden, are we going to have experts coming in to, uh, to offer testimony and motions to say, oh, you know, d based on this diagnosis, this person may lie all the time, be more likely to lie than the average person, lie sometimes, right? I mean, it's like, what do you do with a, just because somebody's had a, medical diagnosis that goes to mental health to me doesn't automatically say that they're going to have reliability or truthfulness issues right i mean it's like i think that's i don't know if that's the knee-jerk reaction like oh they've got a something's wrong with their brain maybe they're then they can't be honest and i think that that's just gonna it's an interesting i don't want to call it a pandora's box but maybe maybe we're going to see some really interesting arguments from defense on this why is it relevant piece right I think there's going to be a lot more training uh, for defense and trial counsel uh, from from our you know, forensic psychologists, psychiatrists. In uh, so many of our sexual assault cases that involve alcohol, they're they're already you know often uh, on tap or, or helping us because of how alcohol affects memory. Uh, but but now I, I think we're going to need, uh, kind of like you said, some more training on on what uh, diagnoses to look for, uh, you know, medications, things like that. Um, but you're, you're right. Uh, there's going to be a lot more work to do. Um, but, you know, one could argue uh, the truth-seeking function uh, of a court-martial uh, will be assisted by this because more information could possibly come before the fact finder. Well, let's hit that because, like, now let's get our, like, final thoughts on this case. Truth-seeking function, yes, but now we're getting into, I would say, the most sacred. I mean, right, the what's going on inside your head is... Uh, something I, I mean something special right i mean like and and you i know you want you want to talk about this earlier let's talk about it now why i because i agree with you mental health diagnoses come from almost it's almost exclusively information from the inside workings of someone's head telling a psychotherapist what's going on without those divulsions what's a psychotherapist diagnosing i'm right i don't think there are very many serious mental health diagnoses that can come out with n with no participation from a patient right or in well, and that in that argument uh, and, and again the kind of follows the the, the, the thoughts of kitchen uh, that that case uh, is that everything he really needs to come from the patient themselves kind of cuts against the the underlying facts uh, argument that the the opinion used they said that you know um, just be underlying facts should not be privileged just because you tell somebody 
but again, that's that that case you know that they said was a little bit weird. It was dealing with corporate counsel and up, and John. Pe- yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of folks out there who've had some like corporate practice maybe before their military careers. They know up John warnings, right? That's the yeah. case that Cap cites, and they say, hey, just because if, if you know a historical fact, if you're a witness, call you, and you tell your attorney, well, that car that I saw was blue. The fact that the car was blue and that you know it was blue is not privileged just because you told your attorney. That's nope. like a, you know the Correct. easiest example I can think of. Fair enough. And they equate that to 513 mental health privileges. But if I am a patient and I go tell my psychotherapist a fact about my brain, that that's only coming from me, right? It's not something yep. that like can really be established any other way than from my my choice mm-hmm. to share it with someone who I hope <laughs> right hopefully is not sharing it with anybody and now it's like well we can share it with everybody and it just I don't know it's and so you know obviously you know my opinion on this uh there's there's we, we've seen well, five was, seconds maybe the world will <laughs> no it's fine uh we, we've seen in the military uh you know come from a place of great stigma uh, with mental health concerns. Uh, it used to be people did not get help for PTSD and other things because you're worried about getting kicked out, you losing your clearances. Uh, yeah. you, you didn't get help. For, people did, would not get help because they were so afraid. Uh, and so we've, we've been kind of chipping away at that fear and trying to show people that it, it's a safe place to be and to be able to actually seek help, and that shows courage. Um, and so that's disconcerting. I mean, as I said, privileges like the psychotherapist one are meant because even though there might be great evidence in there, uh, that relationship is so important. That social good is so important that we want to protect it. Um, yeah, maybe I, I'll like I'll put a big asterisk on like the utility of this kind. Of, you know, again, once, without figuring out what a diagnosis does for someone's ability to be a competent witness, and I, and I think PTSD is such a fascinating. When we were chatting about this, PTSD is a fascinating example of this because you are. I, I can't imagine any scenario where a person can get diagnosed with PTSD without them sharing something nobody else could ever know without them sharing it right yep. i mean i just i can't i i'd be hard pressed to come up with a great set of facts where somebody can diagnose that without with patient participation and you know here we've got okay a little less protection because it wasn't i guess more plainly written into the rule and Okay, but hey, there's a roadmap to remedy it, right? If if someone out there sees it as a problem, then hey, the president writes and promulgates the MREs, right? The president can amend MRE five thirteen tomorrow, right, with an executive order. Hey, I'm expanding MRE five thirteen to include diagnosis, treatments, anything that could have resulted from a confidential communication where somebody thought they were t- speaking to a confidant right uh but until then we've got millet and millet says only the, the the direct communication what the what the patient tells the psychotherapist all right great well that is united states v millet recent opinion helps helps provide some clarity on mre 513 and thank you for listening colonel seagraves thank you thank you steve and hurrah to everyone out there hurrah out